Good evening, Ed. How's it going? I keep going with time-specific introductions, which is... Kind of pointless in a podcast. Yeah, useless in a podcast. Um, We're going to talk today about a game that I wasn't particularly jazzed about watching. I was interested... But, oh my goodness, I, I, this is right up there with my favourite games we've watched and definitely helps to confirm my opinion that 90s football is definitely the best football. It is It is better football, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe I, not. I mean, there's, I, there's... I mean, it is. It literally is. Like The games that I've enjoyed most from this series have almost all been from the 90s. And... The funny thing is, I was almost certainly at this game... And this is where it's it's a really low crowd because they're building the North Stand. It just let some people into the lower tier. In fact, I think they only just got the certificate, which meant they um, they could let some people into that lower tier. But I, I have no memory of being at this game at all. It could well be because I had an absolute skinful beforehand. But I was I, was, I definitely had a season ticket that season, and there's no reason I wouldn't have been there. So I'm yeah. sure I was there. Don't remember it at all. But you weren't necessarily one for getting, like, absolutely plastered drunk before football, were you, really? No, I mean, occasionally, but generally I enjoyed watching the game of football, which you can't do when you've had 12 pints of f- brow. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or 12 to 15 in my case in the mid-90s. <laughs> it's a different time. Um, different time, yeah. Different liver. Genuinely, like, the football is just consistent. I mean, it's a mad, mad Mad game of football. We haven't even said what game of football we're talking about. Sorry, 1996, October 1996. Five. Five, October 1995, 95, 96 season. Liverpool, oh, Manchester United 2, Liverpool 2 at Old Trafford. We are basically talking about the return of the King and not the unbelievably overlong termination to the Lord of the Rings franchise, but Eric Cantona's return from his long enforced absence after his righteous decision to kick and punch a member of the crowd because he fully knew that that member of the crowd was definitely a bad human in all sorts of ways and that wasn't just a convenient after effect. <laughs> well, I mean, that bad human said some bad things about Monsieur Eric. Yes. And uh, he, he took justice. He kicked the hooligan, which he has no regrets about. And uh, the, uh, maybe he had some regrets when the FA screwed him, which is what they did. The reason why he's back on the 1st of October and not for the new season was because the FA, uh, in contravention of the handshake deal that they'd struck with Manchester United, extended his ban for no particular reason other than they felt they could. Yeah. And, I mean, we I think we've talked at length about you know the fact that that ban was potentially going to be extended again due to his participation in a three... Uh, a three-segment game. I was going to say three halves. So you can't have three halves. Well, I, you can have three halves, but not in this sense. Um, you can't divide something up into three halves. There you go. Um, the I really regret. I, Eric Cantona you, might have. Eric Cantona might have no regrets. I have big regrets about starting this half business. My uh, my son's year two maths yeah. homework, which I've been doing homeschool with him every day yeah. during mm-hmm. lockdown. Yeah. Perhaps I could send some sheets over to you and you can, like, acquaint yourself with year two mathematics. In this instance, the maths isn't the problem. It's the brain-mouth relationship that's the issue. Anyway, Eric Cantona was nearly... The ban was nearly extended further. Fergie had to go and rescue him on a motorbike from Paris. That's more or less an accurate rendition of the story. Yeah. He's back, Eric though. nearly joined Inter. 
etc. Yeah. and so on. So yeah. But he's he's back at Old Trafford and he's back with a bang. Like considering this is his first game of professional football since March the previous year, it's pr- uh, the same. Uh, no, when when was no, it was January? T- January, yeah. January. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the, his first game for nine months and he's just excellent. He hasn't lost his touch. Nothing. Almost nothing goes wrong that he tries. And there's a couple of things that don't quite come off, but he's he's an integral, central part of United's success in this game. Yeah. I mean, it's not his best ever game for United, no. but it's very good in the circumstances. In a weird formation. So United line up in a in a sort of 4-4-2, but it's Giggs is on the left and Sharp and Keen are in the centre of the park and Butt sort of tucked in off the right. Yeah. And Cantor and Cole up front. And, uh, well, the back four is kind of interesting because there's the Neville brothers in the full-back positions and Bruce and Pallister ahead of Schmeichel at the back. So, that you know, that's kind of as we understand it, I guess. You know, we'll come to understand it with a lot of the young kids in there. Um there's, a, there's an interview we were we were just talking chatting about Rob Smythe before we came on air, and he did a piece in the Blizzard a few years back, didn't he, covering this game and and uh, well, you know, this game and the context around it, the Spice Boys versus the class of '92, um, and uh, you know, he pointed out correctly actually that through a lot of the '90s, Fergie tinkered and tinkered and tinkered with his side when he wouldn't have otherwise done so against Liverpool because he wasn't getting the results he wanted. He's a, this is the thing that we talked about um, when we played Real. We, we watched the Real game that Fergie is weirdly obsessed with Steve McManaman and he would make direct changes to deal with Steve McManaman. I mean, the fact that he's playing kind of a midfield three with a left winger, but not a back five in any way. And a front no, two. Well, he does for f- 15 minutes in the second half because Phil Neville shifts over to the right. I was very confused at first. I was like, uh, what is going on here? Neville shifts to the right, Sharp shifts to the left, and they go to a back three, but not for very long. No. I mean, it's like 10 or 15 minutes, and then he abandon it and go back to the 4 4 2. So let's set the context then, because one of the things you'll notice if you watch this game is that the kids are really the kids at this point. Gary Neville's net wearing number 20. Phil Neville 23, Beckham 24, but 20. They haven't got the, they literally haven't got the numbers that we all know them by yet because that this is their breakthrough season. Now a lot of them have played particularly but and Gary Neville have played quite a lot of football the season before more than you would think given that everyone assumes this is their kind of real coronation but they, they do play a lot of games that previous season. Um but now they are the first team like they make up a huge part of the squad and there's no particular surprise that that this many of them are playing. United are not champions? No, Blackburn are. Yeah, that's right. Um, But will, of course, go on to win the league in this, the greatest ever season of football ever, (laughs) in my opinion. And of course, they're, they're playing a young Liverpool side. I mean, there's Ian Rush up front who's the... The granddaddy of that team. I mean, talk about connecting generations. I couldn't believe it when I saw yeah. him miss a chance early. I was like, was that Ian Rush? Yeah, he, missing he one looks, from two yards out. Yeah, He looks ancient in this game. He does, but he goes on to have like six or seven clubs after this. This is his last Crazy. season with Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, but there's Robbie Fowler up front, who's 20, I think. Manaman's 22. Redknapp's 22. Harkness is 20. So, you know, there's a... It's a pretty young Liverpool side as well. Of course, 
um, as Smythe points out in that that piece, um, this team would go on to this Liverpool team would go on to win absolutely no Premier League medals, mm. and the United team bazillions of them. Yeah. Um, and but but look, it's a talented Liverpool side that that perhaps didn't fulfil its its potential. And that's another thing that Rob Smythe said that the kind of dichotomy of like rubbish underachievers, flashy underachievers versus like hardworking, diligent football superstars is is an unfair dichotomy between these two groups. And the one thing that you have to say about this is like praising Eric Cantona, the best player on the pitch in this game by far in this game is Robbie Fowler, who is, I mean, he has an, a phenomenal game. He scores two brilliant goals, but he's dangerous basically every time Liverpool are in, in the ascendancy in the game. Yeah, um, but that comes in the second half, doesn't it? Liverpool sort of really kind of coming um, coming into the game. I, I'm not sure that they were the better side during this game, really, but they sort of finished the game stronger than than uh, perhaps United started it. Um, and and United do start this game well. I think I think they're the. I mean, at least there's there's a contrast in in uh, approaches. United are on front foot forward. They're taking the game to Liverpool, and Liverpool are happy to break in the in the in the formation that's pretty secure defensively. I mean, they pull five back when they need to. They've got um, Thomas and uh, Redknapp sort of ahead of, and neither of those two break ahead of the ball at all. Uh, I'd forgotten that Thomas is in this Liverpool side. Um, you kind of remember him as being an Arsenal player, don't you? But uh, made the transition, and they just use McManaman Fowler on on the break. Um, against United all the time, but mm. uh, first fifteen minutes, United, you know, well on top. I mean, first well, they, ninety yeah. seconds, they're well on top, aren't they? And well, let, let's talk about the opening goal because it, it comes after like sixty something seconds, and um, it's a it's a nice pass out of midfield, isn't it? To the left, um, and Cantona's have won two touches and plays it in with his left foot. It's a yeah, and it's a lovely cross aimed at the man around the penalty spot who doesn't quite get to it. It's just slightly over Andy him. Andy Cole just behind him, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and Nicky Buck comes charging in. Uh, nice nice control and nice like, touch and dink from Nicky Buck, sort of falling touch and dink, quite similar to the Park goal um, in that in the game that we watched last week. Uh, and But yeah, Cantona's first... First touch back in English football is an assist. That's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll be generous and call that a good touch from Nicky Button, not that it bounced off him. And he chased after it and completely confused Phil Babb, though, didn't he? He went completely the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and, and United were ahead. It's kind of weird atmosphere because obviously, you know, Old Trafford erupts, but it's only really three quarters of Old Trafford that erupts. Uh, because the the big north stands going up that season, and there's hardly any fans in that stand. Um, clearly, they didn't get the license to to fill the bottom tier, which was completed at this stage. Um, and so, yeah, there's a slightly weird atmosphere all the way through. Only thirty thousand people or something, which which uh, doesn't quite compute with what we know of Old Trafford today. And it's a sort of perpetual building site at this because it's like what two seasons after they've done the Stretford End. And now they're doing yeah. the North Stand, and it just felt like it just felt like it was going to be a building site forever. And now yeah, it feels well, it, like it, it wasn't until the, the Glazers arrived, and yeah, exactly. Because yeah. The, the money to uh, do the quadrants had already been sanctioned, and uh, 
Yes, you know, or or to do the no, no, sorry, to do the second tier on the Stretford End and the East Stand, and then yes, they did spend money on the quadrants, but that's it, nothing since then. Mm. And that's what I was going to say. It, it felt like it was a building site forever, and now it feels like it's forever since it's been a building site. Uh, Redknapp has a ping from range, which Schmeichel is at full stretch. I've just got an Eric watch section. Just like gets the ball on the left, very elegant touch and control, finds a man. A few moments later, tries a dribble, gets fouled. A bit later on on the right, he tries a flick layoff that doesn't quite work and he chastises himself for it. Does a really nice tackle to relieve pressure and then finds Sharp. This isn't in chronological order with everything else we're going to say, but it's just some key Eric moments. The outside of the through ball, the outside of the boot through ball for Cole that just outruns yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Sort of hop volley would you call it a volley anyways the ball's bouncing yeah um when he, and it into the channel right channel and just just misses cole but that would have been a lovely lovely pass yeah but back to some uh, some more chronological stuff fowler absolutely destroys steve bruce with a a touch through his legs and not not makes bruce and then dinks and a perfect cross basically which has schmeichel flapping all ends up but then an aged Ian Rush can't get there. I mean, he's, he's a yard out. Yeah. he uh, Fowler would later say that was unlucky. I think he's been generous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have a word, bad word said about Steve Bruce. So <laughs> Fowler got lucky. Yeah. Um, anyway, did. but there's a few shots from Liverpool here. There's um, Mickey Thomas shoots from range just wide. I mean, oh, easy save for Schmeichel. Rush misses that. Fowler shoots again from distance. But apart from the Rush one, none of them are good chances in that first no. half or that first 30 minutes, sorry. Exactly. Until. Yeah, so Lee Sharp has an absolutely massive, massive chance. Eric Cantona finds... Nicky Butt on the edge of the area. He kind of tucks it into where Giggs and Cole are and Giggs, I think, dummies it. I don't think he gets a touch on it. And it's now Sharp is unmarked in the box in, I don't know, uh, El Z- La Zona de Anthony Martial or whatever, like the place <laughs> yeah. where you would expect him to open up his body and curl it into the right. Uh, instead, he just sort of taps it into David James's path. Right foot was always a swinger with Sharp. He, he he should have taken the chance on his left and lashed it. Yeah. But uh, yes, he fluffed that one. And and within 30 seconds, Liverpool are ahead and it's a it's a really good goal. And I guess, I mean, it's, it's sort of played into the left channel and Fowler gets in it. He's sort of in the same position that he's crossed for Rush just a few moments earlier. Yeah, and he's gone, this like a yeah, that's about the most intelligent thing that uh, Fowler's ever said. Um, but, yeah, and so instead of crossing it, he, he bangs one into the top corner, uh, which Michael was obviously not expecting, and he's just hit it so clean, it's beaten him before he can readjust. So um, I'm not putting that down as an error by Schmeichel. No way. Like, this Probably should be beaten set. from that angle normally, but he's, yeah, you don't expect to have to pick one out of the top corner when the, uh, the opposing player's uh, in the corner of the box. And my next note is just pulsating back and forth because this game then sort of changes texture quite dramatically and it becomes this sort of, this just just punch and counter-punch. Both, there's one, I mean, you mentioned Liverpool's counter-attack and there's a lovely counter-attack with Giggs just flowing down the left wing um, and he can't find a man. 
but it's just just watching Ryan Giggs in full flight at that age on the counter attack gave me like the good feelings, you know, the olden days good feelings. Um, it's it good. Nice. Yeah, there is one sad moment in the first half when David Ellery, oh God, I hate him, hated him, worst ref ever. Books keen for for I mean just a mild tap on tap on the ankles, just almost nothing. Almost nothing, but Ellery's out there, schoolmasterish, lecturing Keane, loves it, big showman that he is. I won't have a word said against him. He doesn't give Fowler the pen when he gets bundled over by Brucey, and he does give us the pen when um, Giggs gets pushed over. Well, yeah, but, you know, it's definitely a push on Giggs. Of course, he didn't He didn't give a pen for an early one where Nicky Butt's in the box and and James takes him out. I mean, yeah. it, does, it doesn't look like it's in a very dangerous position, but he's uh, but turns away from James and he, for some random reason, just takes him out. And uh, I think VAR would have given that. I mean, possibly the random reason is that Nicky Butt has kicked several members of his personal family or well, certainly every teammate he's ever had and, you know, probably just digged him in the ribs the last time they were near each other because Nicky Butt is and remains an absolute animal Every time you see him play, like, honestly, Nicky, Nicky Butt's relationship with the opposition is just violence. That's all he's, all he's really good, interested good, in. Good, We could do a few of those in the, in the modern day squad, couldn't we? <laughs> well, they would all just be sent off within seven minutes of every game that plays. So I'm not but, sure um, we could. But Butt's out at half time and, and Bex is on. And it, that certainly gives a more balanced feel to the team. I, I say that, although... Then Ferguson tinkers and they go to this three at the back for a bit and then Beckham tucks inside and and all of that. Yeah, and does nothing really all game, David Beckham really. Nothing of particular note. Um, But then then Fergie does give the balance. It's a a weird sort of tactical thing. Uh, Is it the second half when their second goal? Yeah, it is, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. 53 minutes. So there's this sort of pulsating back and forth at the beginning of the half. And then, I mean, they talked about this on, you know, the programme that Gary Neville does where he has a player and with him and they, it's called Soccer Box, I think. And it's sort of goggle box, but for football. And uh, they talked about this. Fowler, he had Fowler on and they, they talked about it. And it's absolutely ruined him. He's just, he's just horrified with himself. Every decision he makes in the whole movement, Genev, is, is bad. He should have retired then. I mean, what kind of career did he have after this? Nothing, <laughs> nothing. Yeah, um, let's just put this down to a naive young defender getting schooled by a naive attacker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does what everything wrong. He shows him the inside, then he's really weak in the tackle. He turns his back on him at one stage as well. So, yes, it's some pr- very poor defending. And then Schmeichel is pretty poor goalkeeping, actually, because he comes out, but then he leaves the, leaves the goal open. He's basically saying, chip me, you've got the whole goal to aim at. I mean, he very often did perfectly good. I mean, chip me, you've got the whole goal to aim at is a big part of Peter Schmeichel's career, isn't it? But he, he normally is, is gets players to shoot and does his star jump and does the thing. But very excellent presence of mind from Fowler and just a just a pretty spectacular dinked finish. Two, two superb goals from a player who ended back. up not winning stuff and played for City, Leeds and Liverpool, which yeah, is yeah, the, yeah. the James Milner trifecta. I mean, he has sort of five really excellent seasons after this yeah. and then Gerard Julia ruins him um, and ships him out and he, he plays a, yes, a whole bunch of City, Leeds, 
ends up playing in Australia at some point, doesn't he? Yeah. And never, he was never the same again, really, after no. after Julia turned up at, at Anfield. Absolutely. And it, it was really is a waste of a talent because he, you know, he's obviously, he's a baddie, right? So he's one of the baddies. So we don't really think about him or take him seriously. But, God, blimey, at his best, he was quite some forward. I, 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 I have to say, I had a touch of sympathy for him when he did that bit. When he uh, crawled on his hands and knees and pretended, pretended to be to a cow d- chewing the grass. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's what he was doing. <laughs> and the FA just got it completely wrong and thought he was taking class eight. Yeah. Um, and, you know... Classic suits. As we know, he's a, the world's biggest landlord now. Yeah, he's a slumlord. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> beyond, the, beyond the politics... There's uh, just an effortlessly wonderful layoff from Eric Cantona back into midfield, and then he receives the return ball as a sort of thrash at it and claims a corner that it was never like a corner. It was, it was yes. not a corner, Eric. Slid in by Beckham, who did some good things. Oh, in there, the you second go. Half. Yeah, there you go. Good chance. Not taken. Yeah. And then, what, a few minutes later, 65 or so, um, the foul on gigs, the pass through by Cantona. Beautiful. I mean, I know, like, slider all past, but gigs away, shoved over, totally clear, nailed on, one hundred percent of a penalty. Yeah, yeah. And Eric sends James the wrong way. Basically, he just sells him. It's the opposite of that Lukaku penalty in the FA Cup semi final. He really looked like he was going the other way, and and did the did the sell job on David James. Calmly tucked it home, and there was much rejoicing and spinning around the goal stanchion. I like goal stanchions. You know, but you do want to have you? a really deep net if you're going to do that. Yeah, Mexico 86 or bust. Yeah. Um, Coley hits Coley just wide from a spectacular overhead. Oh, that's lovely. I mean, it's a lovely move. And then yeah. the pass by Cantona, you almost, it's almost inviting Cole to do that. It's like as yeah. if he'd played it out in his head that the overhead is on here. Um, <laughs> because it's not, he, he doesn't, it's not a wayward pass. He's no. just chipped it into space. Yeah, for Cole to overhead it and Cole fluffs his lines and doesn't score the spectacular over. He needed five chance at an overhead kick for every goal he scored. <laughs> like, I mean, we've seen Cole a few times in this series of retro. And I have to say, I've got a new respect for him because he's a good all-round player. He's, I mean, Absolutely. he's very neat on the ball and in tight spaces and does the right things all the time. So uh, didn't quite do this. He had to wait a few years until... Dimitar Berbatov came along to show you how you do it against Liverpool. <laughs> we've had a couple of requests for that game. Maybe put that one in the in the hopper for a couple of games down the line because we've already picked what we're doing next. Uh, um, there's a there's a lovely piece of uh, Razor Ruddock, uh, Eric Cantona action where I think Ruddock goes in on him a bit hard. Um, there's a bit of an elbow, and as Ruddock liked to do. And I think Cantona's calling him a fat bastard because he, he makes a sort of tummy sound and then he makes it like a double chin, <laughs> double chin action as well, which is uh, very nice. And the king, not the sveltist himself. That's pure muscle. Um, pure provincial muscle. Um, or Marseille's muscle, even. Absolutely phenomenal end to end game of football. Anything else much massively meaningful happen? No, what, for the last 15 minutes or so? No, there's one break by United where there's, I counted them, seven players forward in the last five minutes. I mean, this is why Not 90s looking for football the draw. Is, <laughs> No, this is why 90s football is great because this is before Fergie, like, 
understood that tactics existed and that perhaps sometimes you had to balance out the everyone attacks philosophy. He, he, he clearly knew tactics existed by this point, but he wasn't quite sure what they were. Like, oh, put try three men here. No, four men here. No, three men here. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's peak 90s, this game. I mean, it's in, literally in the middle of the 90s. All the players have 90s head cuts. Oasis are probably literally number one as this game is played out. Like, it couldn't be more um, culturally specific. The only thing that hasn't happened yet is David Beckham's hair hasn't got cool yet. Like, it's no, very functional by this point. It's very functional. Short back and sides, isn't it? Yeah, he, he hasn't discovered pop music and uh, the Spice Girls quite yet uh, yeah. and got... And got uh, Got stylish, and and it's just a few months before the Spice Boys at Liverpool would wear those white suits, which they've never lived down. <laughs> Absolutely, and rightly so. And it's just like everyone would associate those white suits so differently if they just if they'd only had the foresight to win the game afterwards, it would have made a significant difference. Well, it's true today as it was then. Uh, if you're going to make a statement in football, if you don't want to be on the end of uh, a bunch of reactionaries like us making fun of you, you need to win. You can do yeah. anything when you win. And of course, this United team goes on to win. And, and you know, I talk, we talked, we did bonus content probably a year or two ago, two years probably, on this season in particular. And just so much happens in this season. It starts with Alan Hansen. I mean, two of literally two of the most quoted things that have ever been said in English football are said in this season. Alan Hansen says, you'll never win anything with kids. And Kevin Keegan says, I'd love it if we beat them. And you will win something with kids and you won't beat them. <laughs> like, that's, that's how it goes. It, it's it's the, the masterful Cantona season. It's his resurrection from the injustice he's he's faced uh, from the FA. Is is it the season that Beckham sticks one in from fifty odd yards? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So uh, United win the double. Uh, you know, Blackburn lose like the first five games or something insane like that, and they're out of it already. And Newcastle emerges the one of the most exciting teams we'd seen in the Premier League to that point, just not a good team when it really that mattered. Li- that Liverpool 4-3, I think, is this season, right. isn't it? The Liverpool-Newcastle right. 4-3. I think yeah, because Colin Moore's on the bench in this game. Yeah. Um, yeah, scores in that 4-3 against Newcastle, doesn't he? Yeah, so yeah, a, cl- a classic season and um, some really classic moments from United, including this game, which is you know, a thoroughly entertaining game and there's... Lots of uh, hallmarks of the great side that's emerging. It's a transition. And it's funny, isn't it? Really, you know, it's a transitionary side because absolutely in the summer he's dumped Ince or Ince has dumped United, depending on who you believe. And Kinchelskis and Hughes have both gone too, and he didn't buy anyone. So United, this was the only summer in Ferguson's time at United that United did not buy a senior player. And you can really see why, because they literally did not need to. I mean, you could argue that if you wanted to compete at the top, top level in Europe, maybe there was some tweaking needed to be done. But it turned out that really, really the only thing that meaningfully changes about this side is that Eric Cantona was replaced by Dwight York. Can't say that's an upgrade. Lee Sharp drifts out of the team um, and then the two centre-backs are replaced. 
because they're coming towards the back end of their career. But it's a transitional side, but most of this side is involved as United win the European Cup three years later, four years later at this point. That's right. They they become more mature. Yeah, uh, all absolutely. Those, all those kids and, and Fergie makes two excellent signings in Stam and Janssen. One big money, the other, you know, a very fortunate signing or good judgment, whichever one yeah, you want. Yeah, that also led to Solskjaer coming and, you know, and then Sheringham and York are both attempts to replace Cantona in some way. And it it, it works, but... But this game's really about Eric because it because it is his return. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but one of the key things, one of the key reasons that Eric Cantona isn't just a player in United's history, a very good player, why I think, like, if you're going to make another statue at Old Trafford at any point, he should be the next one, is because everything that follows has him baked into it it's right he's the the, inspiration for the class of 92 who are the 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 foundation on which 20 years of success are built absolutely and every single one of them just just google it just google like gigs quotes about Cantona Beckham quotes about Cantona they were all in awe of him and wanted to be like him and saw that the way that he did it was practice and so you know, that they would, Beckham would practice his free kicks over and over and over and over and over again because he saw Eric Cantona practicing after training over and over and over again. And he was the first player at United that Ferguson, that asked Ferguson for a couple of young players to practice some stuff after the games, you know, and, and that it changed the culture and, and it changed the whole culture of the fabric of the Premier League. Because, changed Fergie as well. Yeah. No, no, no doubt, yeah. Um, Absolutely, and then within eighteen months he's gone. Of course, he's he's not left the club. He's retired at age thirty-one, and you know a long way short of of uh, a decline. But he felt in his head that it was it was no good anymore. And I mean, it's interesting because the, the season following this, United have a real crack at winning the European Cup, Champions League, uh, and just fall short in the semi-final against Dortmund, who go and play Juve in the final. But United weren't far short. Yeah. No, absolutely, and they win the league again. Um, and Oli Solskjaer is the top scorer uh, in next season, which is quite remarkable. But the this particular season, Eric Cantona's return just transforms United, and and uh, he, this is the season in which the march of Eric Cantona happens. United play four times: uh, one nil, one nil, one all, one nil. Eric Cantona scores every single one of those goals, like uh, as as we claw this seemingly unoverturnable margin uh, back 12 points, although we had a game in hand at 12 points um, over Newcastle in January and we end up winning the league. What's Kevin Keegan doing now? Seen him around recently? No, I haven't. No. No. I don't see too many of these uh, Liverpool players around much. Well, McManaman, you see, I still can't say that name after... (laughs) 25 years of trying to say it. McManaman is on BT Sport. He's a he's a decent pundit. Ish. He's, he's hardware. That's a cold commentator, though, isn't he? Let's face it. He's hardware. And the thing about him is that if you listen to him co-commentate, you would think that 
he had never misplaced a pass in his life because he's infuriated by the slightest failing of any footballer. <laughs> yeah, he was an infuriating player, I, I imagine, if you were his coach. He had very, four very successful seasons at Real Madrid after leaving Liverpool, I think, in yeah. 2000-ish. Um, and I, I think he was inducted into the Real Madrid Hall of Fame or whatever, isn't he? And, and yeah, you know, thought of very, yeah, very, um, very well there. Unlike yeah. their uh, current British winger, who <laughs> certainly will not be thought of very well. No, absolutely. There was no uh, golf, Liverpool, Madrid in that order for uh, Um the, the, Obviously, the Liverpool side is kind of uh, associated with failure. It's that's that's the thing that is is re- like linked inextricably to this Liverpool side, but. In a way, like every other team in England between the years of 1992 and 2013, it's not their fault. They had a crack. Like, it's hard to beat. You can't beat Fergie. It's not It's not anyone else's fault. We're just, like, as United fans, it's this thing about remembering how unbelievably lucky we are that he didn't fancy the Spurs job six months before the United gig became available. Like, otherwise, like, it, the future would have been so different. This is... This is Ferguson in a moment of genius. And I think this side, this transitional side between that unbelievable 94 team and the 99 team that would come to be, this is actually one of my favourite teams because it has the class of 92 and Derek Cantona both in it. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's an intoxicating combination to watch as a United fan. Certainly is. And uh, I enjoyed this one. It was, yeah, yeah good, good game, worth going back Delving back into the nineties, we've done that several times. The odd one it, from the seventies, one one from the sixties. Yeah, I think a couple it, I from think the eighties. What? No, I think we're on one from the sixties, one from the seventies, one from the two thousands. No, two from the two thousands, one from the twenty tens, and all the rest have been from the nineties. And and what decade, pray tell, Ed, is the next game that we're choosing to watch? Yes, it appears to be the 1990s. I mean, are we giving away our age here or what? Yeah, we. I mean, we we're obviously always going to do this game, uh, but we've left it for a while. And it looks like football may be returning in early June. So, folks, you're only going to get a few more of these nostalgia pods until there's a second wave of the coronavirus in the autumn and the next season is cancelled. <laughs> um I, I don't know whether Paul's got his uh, hands just, over his face. My, or hands are, my hands are just, like, covered my eyes. Not because I'm horrified by what you said, but because I'm horrified of the inevitable truth of what you said. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway, so um, uh, Juve versus United in the Stadio Dele Alpi from 1999. One of the Any, great Manchester United comebacks. Anyone heard of this game? Is this, Maybe is just this familiar little. to anyone? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, given how much we talked about Roy Keane in the first few weeks, it feels like it's about time we had another Roy Keane-focused episode. And we can settle the uh, debate that's been raging on Twitter about whether Roy Keane was actually good in this game or not. Honestly, some people have got too much time on their hands and too many opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have uh, another, you know, 45 minutes of opinions on that game. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you on uh, Monday with that. And then I'm having the following Thursday off. So um, I'm just going to do one podcast next week. But part-timer not you can don't have to worry about that yet and we'll see you on monday see you folks thanks for listening
Freshman. Freshman.